and welcome to the IGN UK podcast episode number. I'm not quite sure what it is. I wanted to start the podcast really early because we were just having a conversation before we started rolling where I was talking about how old people, our older people, so would uh, so like old. put on caps lock and then type in the capital letter and which take off caps, which is insane. Yeah. And Alicia has just told us, she does, you don't use shift. Because I'm a maverick. How do you, so you just really quickly, uh, like on yeah. caps and off caps? I don't know why. It's how I learned to type like back in the day and I remember my mum in the 90s turning around and being like you should learn how to touch type and she got me like this Mavis Beacon like right. computer game that told you how to touch type and even Mavis Beacon would tell me to like press shift and I was like no Mavis Beacon you don't you don't know it's caps lock it do says ever, caps in the name do you ever use, Rory do you ever use caps lock I don't think I ever touch that button no even if I want to type out a whole word I'll just, just hold, hold down shift, shift and yeah, type it yeah I don't think I don't I think it's because basically when touch typing you'd have to hold down shift with your pinky finger yeah and my pinky finger on my left hand is my weakest finger and maybe it's from years of not pressing shift but I like pressing caps lock with my middle finger yeah. flipping back typing this is, really quickly this is and then back to caps lock again. I use caps lock on iPhone and that's about it also like what kind shift. of Benjamin Button style family do you have <laughs> that your mum is teaching you how to like <laughs> she's like see this thing's called Snapchat and you're like oh mom it sounds a bit high tech for me um, if you couldn't already tell today on the podcast is me Roy Powers Dale Driver Hello. and I'm going to think of a terrible name for you Alicia Caps Lock <laughs> it's the that's worst so Work, workshop it. We'll come back to that. We'll workshop it. We've got the time. Um, so first up on the running order is a very exciting game mm. that I actually didn't get the chance to play, but you guys got the chance to play it, That's and right. I can't wait to hear all about it because I love VR. So sell it to me. So we got to play Star Trek VR. Yeah, right. Bridge Crew. Bridge Crew. Yes, that's mm. the full the term. official name. And. Uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Basically, you're piloting a ship called the USS Aegis, I think it's called, or Aegis. I can't um, remember. But you're, it's kind of like the Kobayashi Maru in that you, the mission is that a star base has kind of fallen under attack. It's kind of gone off the radar. Right. So you're sent in to go and look to see what happens. When you arrive, um, turns out the whole starship is in pieces, beautifully floating in front of this My gorgeous God. star yeah. that's about to go supernova. So you've got a really limited time to try and get as many of the survivors who are all in their escape pods. Hmm. But as soon as you beam up the first lot of escape pods, Three Klingon warships decloak. Yeah. So then the whole game becomes how do you fight off the Klingon warships and also beam up the. It's the a juggling spiders. mission. Yeah. Right. Yeah, juggling okay. the two things. But. Um, one of the main keys, I'm sure a lot of people know already, but the fact is that you can play all these different roles on the bridge crew mm -hmm. as well. And that's the most exciting thing to me. Like you just said all that story stuff. I didn't remember any of that. All <laughs> I was thinking was what role can I play? What can I do in this role? I was just thinking about my individual Absolutely. tasks as well. So the enemies, like, are they easy to lose or do they kind of cling on? I am so sorry. Bashing out the puns. That was amazing. Well done. Um, well, speaking of the enemies, well, that, that's the really interesting mm. thing about it because um, each, obviously each person has a different role and the enemies are probably the main concern of the person who sits in the tactical chair. Yeah. So they're the ones who have control of the shields and the weapons. Okay. And the, so the phasers and stuff. And, um, but you kind of have to work really closely with the helmsman who sits to your left and they're the one who pilots the ship. Yeah. And you can only really fight when they're facing. But it's really hard because the way the ship steers, it's so slow. It kind of feels like piloting a Thompson holiday cruise ship <laughs> trying to face a jet ski that's zipping all it's over the place. Like, it's not necessarily slow. You're blaming your pilot and your engineer for that. That's Because the engineer is basically the guy who's juggling the power of the ship. He's juggling where... You know, how much power do we put into our weapons? How much power do we put into our engines? Yeah. And if you've got full power in your engines and your pilot's a good pilot, it's relatively nippy. But obviously when you're in a battle situation, you need your shields yeah. up. Yeah. So your power has to come down. and I mean, your speed has to come down. And then, you, yeah, manoeuvring then is, is quite tricky. It's like a massive tank. And what, what role did you enjoy the most? What did you find? So I, I really enjoyed tactical. Like yeah. I genuinely did. Because there's something really cool about going, fire everything! Yeah. And hitting like... Oh, you got to be like, you got to be full, you know, role playing 
playing mode. Absolutely. We were. Like we were. We, we, you guys got shirts, right? You got. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, like, we didn't bring uniforms. our t shirt thing. That's all right. It's fine. Like the generic really, style. It is an audio shirt. medium. Yeah. And like, oh, completely. Like when um, when I was on the engineer thing, and there's a bit where you like, you power up the transporter and you're beating people up. And it's impossible to not yeah. say, like, beam me up Scotty as you're doing it and I'm stuff I'm giving it all I've got captains yeah. on yeah. the tip of my tongue every yeah. single time so so good I know I would just I want to be the captain so I could talk like Zap Brannigan that would be amazing <laughs> so sit there in a very short revealing uniform at these um, events they're not usually like one of the PR people plays um, the captain right uh, but we managed to wingle them to let Alicia have a go at being captain so she can tell us all about that yeah well so it was really hard though because part of the reason why they weren't offering most people the opportunity to demo the captain is because actually, haven't got what it takes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bunch of scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> well basically this is the demo they did at e3 and the person who sat in the captain's chair was always the the pr right. or the yeah. and so actually they and they've not really built all the capabilities that you'll have as mm. captain so the whole point of captain as a role is you hold the vital pieces of information that will help the other three people do their jobs so you can see every aspect of information on the ship you know how yeah. strong the shields are where the enemies are all that kind of stuff and you can flick the information out <clears throat> onto the screen so like people oh. can, can oh, see I didn't even know you could do that yeah so I was like busy putting information up for you guys um, oh, but really awesome. but to be honest really the only thing that I had at the time when I played it was the big red alert button sending it to red <laughs> alert which was so much fun to press but apart from that like they hadn't really built all of the UI yet for yeah, it it's right. in a really early stage yeah. um, but I think the thing that I really really liked about Bridge Crew is that we're in this stage with VR where I think it was Zuckerberg back in 2014 when Facebook first acquired Oculus for I think it was something like two billion it was or something obscene, extortionate amount yeah. it was extortionate but he turned around and said the future of VR is social and that was at a time where a lot of the VR experiences that we're having are very singular you yeah. know job simulator very it's very much yeah. you and isolated and I think Bridge Crew is proof of actually how far reaching that is it feels like couch gaming yeah. because when you look over like there was a point Dale where I was sat behind you I was the engineer and you were in front of me and I think you were I was a tactical you were on player. tactical yeah. and I could see you like like bending over the console like you physically I could see your avatar move over as you were exploring. examining <laughs> and you were examining every inch of the console and then the guy to your left who was the helmsman there was a point where we got really badly hit and he threw both arms up in the air and his <laughs> avatar goes like oh <laughs> this what? kind of and that was amazing yeah. to really physically see emotion in a virtual space what uh, boosted that as well was they arranged our chairs in the exact formation you're oh, actually on the crew yeah. there was one bit with the, the PR guy who was on uh he was the pilot and i like reached out my hand and was like making a joke to like touch hold my hand and he reached out his hand as well and our hands in real life actually collided <laughs> and we were like touch and it was so weird because like, you've got the oculus touch controller so they're like magnetized yeah and you just felt them sort of like click together and we had this like real moment where like careless whisper was gonna kick on <laughs> it's like the first experience of virtual reality love just happened yeah. right there but yeah it, that was a really surreal moment. and like moments where you could hear the captain talking you could turn around over your shoulder and you see the captain there yeah and then you start waving at home and you could go like well the video can't say it but you could like crunch use your, yeah, use your, crunch your fingers I mean, in fairness we were playing it in a really unusual environment the majority of people who yeah. get this game they'll probably play it you online know, I'd imagine online yeah. um, on their you know on their own so their friends will be in another part of the UK or even the world but then that was something that I was thinking that's really interesting obviously you're, we were playing it as friends and stuff yeah. and there's something really nice about you know yelling at each other and stuff and of the course, whole point yeah. of the game is teamwork but a lot of people who play this, you might not have three other friends who all have headsets. Headsets are quite expensive. Yeah. So are you going to play with strangers? Like, And it's a game that I cannot imagine playing with a stranger online because when you play Call of Duty with strangers online, that's fine because you can essentially play individually in a team, but individually you can still win mm. the game. Yeah, you can't carry other other players. Absolutely. Whereas with Bridge Crew, you have to talk to each yeah, other. You voice, have to work yeah, together. Absolutely. I don't think you can play that game unless you're like hugely experienced at it and you know you can predict it all without communicating yeah. with each other. It'd I be think, almost impossible. I think that's the problem that this game is going to have. I, I definitely like the use of, of social space in VR is really interesting. And I think the more popular these headsets are going to be, the more social space based games 
games are going to be released. Mm. For example, you know, because obviously the huge barrier that everyone's trying to get past in the, the moment is movement. You yes. know, it's, you course, can't move yeah. really at all. So, um, you know, how do you map movement with multiple players in a social space? Or how do you create a game in a social space where you don't move? Um, but I think simplicity is going to be the best way around that. Yeah. yeah. Like I imagine mean, games where you're just like, in a supermarket and the goal is to like pick up cans of food and like throw them at your friends. <laughs> That's every VR game ever at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Pick up objects and throw, throw them. them. <laughs> Which, you know, it, it sounds incredibly basic, but if like three of your closest friends were like in that supermarket with you and yeah. you're all throwing cans of food at each other, that's a fun game. That's hilarious. Absolutely. I think that'd be really funny. What any negatives? Because I have one and that's, I think, the engineer It wasn't real, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the engineer role is severely lacking. Right. And that's because you're essentially just juggling the numbers. You're like, well, put power up in the shield power down on the engines mm. you're just moving these numbers down you can't actually see the full screen and there's, there's buttons to look outside the ship but you can't see the front screen like the, the tactical guy and the pilot and the captain can and I felt like a lot of times I'm just waiting for my next order just to move some numbers up and down. Yeah, like that's that's my kind of worry yeah. when I heard about the premise as well because we had this sort of experience when we played Sea of Thieves at Gamescom, yeah. which is like, I'm sure you guys know a lot about it. Really cool game, I very stylized you, pirate game. Yo, I'm in talking to the audience. <laughs> Jesus, Dale, be self-aware. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's fun at certain points but yeah. different roles you know aren't as enjoyable as other ones Absolutely. for example they were like who wants to steer the ship and I was like oh me this is going to be amazing but of course as soon as they drop the sails I can't even see where we're going so we just have to get yeah. someone to stand and be like alright go a little bit right yeah. go a little bit left and the reality of that role is actually quite boring I mean yeah the, the, a lot of the roles in Star Trek Bridge Crew are, are like that like you still rely on other people's information but you feel more engaged with it like especially on the, on the pilot role you've got this big mechanical like warp speed like yeah. control as well yeah. and then you, you're controlling like a sort of on-screen analog stick for piloting the ship and stuff they feel a lot more um, what's the word this like, is more immersive you're, yeah, you know, yeah 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 you're, yeah. More, you're more engaged more tactile maybe yeah. as well you're there's, more engaged with them but like there's just something so damn cool about sitting on the actual bridge of a USS starship like I, I really cannot overstate enough how awesome it is the first time you go into warp and then you come out of warp and you look it's out really cool. through this massive window. I remember hearing you audibly go, wow, when you yeah. were in tactical at the front and like you see this star that's about to go into Nova in front of you and the debris of this incredible space battle coming over you and around and yeah. you look to your right and you can you can literally wave at your friend and like and when their avatar speaks like their mouth moves and stuff oh, with their voice weird. and just yeah, like they did that in GTA as well when you talk to yeah. your character would like of course you wouldn't say what you're saying so you'd be like rah, 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 like sim talk yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, like, yeah. Um, obviously it was a very early build and they're still working on the game as well but there was one little glitch that was yes. so funny <laughs> that was funny where it's um, <laughs> so there was a big uh, button that, what would you call it a handle I suppose in yeah. the middle and I just went Captain what does this do and I leaned up my arm and everyone could see my arm and it went out like Stretch Armstrong <laughs> went about like seven foot long it was arm. a proper Mr. Fantastic <laughs> straight up like yeah. Michael Jordan like yeah. half court dunking hit like. <laughs> and obviously you know that won't be in the final game it was just a, a temporary game. It, it was a DLC but, maybe it was so funny <laughs> like it was my the yeah. highlight of the day <laughs> just Dude, we just so got, there's like a whole future in a channel that's just virtual reality glitches yeah. Like yeah, that would just be it's got to be like the funny things like people's heads like twisting <laughs> yeah. around and like arms yeah. flailing about it's going to be so great yeah, it's good film it's so it's good, good film. yeah well like, speaking about technology in the future that we're all so excited mm -hmm. about the Nintendo Switch uh -huh, we actually uh -huh, this yeah. this uh, came out on Thursday <laughs> when everything was dropped um, but Joe gave a big exposition as to why we did not Tech talk about it in the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah um, so what are your initial thoughts guys on Nintendo Switch I am sold Sold. I'm clearly Mr. Positive today. Yeah. But I am not a huge Nintendo fan, as long-time listeners might know, but I feel like I'm back in. I haven't been, like, the GameCube was the last one I yeah. truly cared about. Like, the, I had a Wii, but I wasn't really into it that much. But I'm, I feel like I'm back in now. This looks cool. It was really funny because they dropped this, like, announcement trailer mm. on the same day as Red Dead. Yeah. And everyone was going like... Oh, Nintendo, you yeah. fool. Like, what, you're going to be overshadowed completely. But the, the Red Dead trailer was garbage trash. It <laughs> yeah. was terrible. It was, it was so boring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it looked great, but I don't get shit. It literally shit. told yeah. you nothing. Yeah. No, it told absolutely. you nothing. I mean, it was the definition of a teaser trailer. Yeah. <laughs> for, and for so much hype to come along with it as well. Yeah. And they just, just dropped, like, It wasn't promoted as a teaser trailer, was it? Wasn't it just, we're showing a trailer? 
Like if they'd have said we've got a teaser coming, or they'd, they'd have just dropped it, yeah, wouldn't yeah. have been as bad. But I felt like there was two or three days of build up for it, and then it was after the Switch three yeah. minute reveal. But that's it. Like yeah. I felt like the Switch commercial, which was they executed it really perfectly because it told you so much about the console mm. without actually giving any specifics uh, away. Um, and as we heard, I think it was this morning, that we're not actually going to hear any more specifics until the 12th of January, yeah. which is where they're doing their next big I'm announcement. Fine with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think we really need to know no, that much more that at this point. It's not that far off at all, is yeah. it? It's what, yeah. six months? It's just around the corner. Yeah, five and, months away. You know, we, we've had a couple of hints, like the Nintendo president said that we potentially might be getting a few more, he called them accessories, mm, but they right. don't even sound necessarily like accessories. So the two detachable controllers, the Joy-Cons. Joy yeah. Um, you have all the lingo. Yeah. Such a cool, <laughs> so such, cool. A, such a Nintendo name. Such a Nintendo, <laughs> totally Nintendo. <laughs> Controllers of joy. <laughs> but apparently these um, controllers can be swapped out potentially for other controllers, or we don't know that for certain. That's basically what the Nintendo president yeah. hinted yeah. this like this morning. But um, that'll be really interesting to see what else is revealed in January. Well, there's, there's a ton of stuff that, like this has all been on the internet, people speculating. There's a ton of stuff that Nintendo has patented uh, with, with when they were patenting uh, stuff for the NX that wasn't included like in the actual packaging. Yeah, that's so true. It's like two of them uh, was a distance measuring sensor and also a projector like built into the console. And this was patented alongside a diagram where it was showing, it was like the demo of a baseball game. Uh -huh. And the idea was that um, a baseball was being projected into a player's hand on the side of the console and then through uh, measuring the distance and using the projector, the player could then throw the ball back what? into the game. That's not going to happen. Again, uh, again <laughs> like these companies patent a lot yeah, of ideas yeah, that never yeah, come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. But... That she just what? Like, that's insane. That's, that's awesome. I mean, it, like, if anyone's going to do something like this, it's going to be Nintendo. I mean, that's a total gimmick, like an utter gimmick. Absolutely, but, but that's yeah. the Wii was, a, yeah, was yeah. an absolute gimmick. Yeah. Like, but the what, first time you did it, it'd be awesome. What yeah. do you think you could? Uh, what would you think of? Like for these little accessories on the side, like, what would you do? What would be amazing yeah. to have? Well, could you think of any ideas? That's the thing. I was trying to think the other day, and I was like, what would it actually do? And I was well, like, thinking about the, the fishing rod thing. You know what? Oh yeah. <laughs> was, uh, was it the Saturn or I can't remember what it was on that or the Dream? Dreamcast maybe, and it had like the little fishing rod yeah. joystick or something. I don't know. Um, well, there was also at one point, I think it was Elite Pattern for, do you remember this? It was like a magnet style controller. It was shaped like a U right. and everyone was like, oh no, that's definitely not real. And then in uh, demos of the uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Link at one point uses a tool that's shaped like a giant magnet to lift things. Oh, so then cool. everyone was like, it's confirmed. And, you know, the internet going crazy. Yeah. But obviously that's not part of the Switch, but maybe that's, you know, mm. the two bits that like lock on and then that's you can use. What about if you had like scoping? two sort of mini steering wheel attachments on the side for Mario Kart or something like that? That's yeah, cool. I think yeah. that could work. Yeah. With like maybe paddles underneath or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because I think yeah. there are paddles that kind of make maybe lock those side controllers into yeah. place. Mm -hmm. Alternatively, like a cup holder and like <laughs> a little snack like thing, just like gaming and then I have a little drink. My favorite little touch in the whole thing was the kickstand. Yeah. And that seems yeah. silly to say, but I look at that and I think that is going to help me play this thing so much more. Absolutely. That's when he's on yeah. the flight, right? And he sets Absolutely. it down and has just the, the two controllers you in his hand. You can take controllers in your hand and you can play it like a console, but on a flight. Like the amount of times I've been on flight and I've took my Vita or something like that and I'm hunched over. Yeah. And after yeah. a while, like you, you don't want to hold it anymore. And oh, I mean, that's, that's not a... Innovation unique to Nintendo, gaming no. tablets, like there's loads of Android gaming tablets hmm. and stuff you can get for mobile gaming that come with kind of kickstands and stuff. Yeah. But you're right, it absolutely is. Uh, like that was the thing that I think we were probably most excited about in that we often travel for our jobs mm -hmm. and when you're sat there on the plane, it's really, really nice to be able to actually game comfortably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. And for like big titles as well, because mm. that's something that was also announced is not only a huge amount of third uh party you know developers support but also the fact that it's going to support the uh, unreal engine unreal engine 4 which is a huge deal you know there's so many games if i have to sit down and watch one more youtube video <laughs> of someone who's remade ocarina of time using the unreal engine i'm gonna go crazy because <laughs> it looks beautiful and i want it in my life what? so just pay that guy on the internet to make it for me please what do you think the battery life is going to be on this thing well that's the thing that's yeah. what's not been and that's if the biggest worry i think yeah, yeah. i mean if, if I, did you guys use a lot of the Wii U at all? Not really. No. So I feel like really. this is essentially trying to do what the Wii U wanted to do, which is have like a portable console and a home console. Obviously, it didn't quite work because it has to be in function with the actual uh, device. And the gamepad's garbage. The gamepad was not that great, and its battery life 
was, I think like mine after a while of using it was down to like two and a half, three hours. Wow, that's yeah. nothing. Which is not a lot, if obviously. if you a 10 hour flight. Yeah. And then you're thinking about like how the controllers are gonna be connected by like, guess via Bluetooth, if that's gonna have an effect yeah. on the yeah, battery. But then they'll need to be charged as well then. Well, yeah. But also we've come a long way since, you know, the, the Wii U in terms of yeah. like battery, because it's mm. like smartphone and tablet batteries. Have yeah, come along, but like, they're not processing way. 3D engines like, um, not to the extent, yeah, yeah, not to the extent. And I guess the thing is with the Wii U, it's designed to be a home console. This is a home handheld hybrid. And yeah. therefore it needs to be way more portable than the Wii U ever was. And the battery life needs to be mm. way better. I think it's going to be tough, but I think the kind of unanimous view is that if they can pull it off, this is, it's, it'll be something really special. It could yeah. be a big something, game changer. Because it's not, it's, it's in a position where it's not competing with Xbox One and PS4 mm. anymore. It's its own thing. Yeah. Like I would happily own one of those consoles and my Nintendo Switch yeah. for completely different scenarios. And imagine that's what Nintendo thinks for hardcore gamers anyway. Like they're obviously trying to get a more Absolutely, know, a yeah. friendly market, but a mainstream market, I should say, but they're probably thinking for the hardcore gamers, they're going to want a PS4, they're going to want an Xbox One, mm. but they'll want this as well for when they're traveling. Yeah, and, and that's totally what the tra the trailer's trying yeah. to touch on, is like Absolutely. all these people, like, I think like there was two shots of someone playing it in their house. Everyone was like in a car, on yeah. a plane, yeah. like at your friend's house, yeah. you know, in a hall. On a like, rooftop, playing yeah. a barbecue. <laughs> the most like, like popular, yeah. attractive people in the world. Yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> I don't really have all these friends, can I still just play in my bedroom? <laughs> like, Maybe that's why it's called Nintendo switch you switch up your friendship group when you get one nice nice probably not yeah. but <laughs> probably because you can switch out nintendo's marketing team great yeah. uh, well the one like last cool thing that i actually found out about it when i was doing some research was um like my main thing i'm skeptical about is how like the actual portable device is going to maintain the graphics hmm. of like a decent but do you not think that is where the power comes from like, well, do you this not is think what the dock is just a dock yeah I didn't even yeah. realize that because I assumed that when you took it out you'd be playing a portable version of the mm. game but it's like actually it's inside it's the dock just helps it display or maybe gives it you know yeah. scale as well but helps it display to a, a HD like full TV screen and the actual power is coming from the in internals of the, the device. Yeah, because it's, it's, again, I'd found assume. this out, I found this out this morning, it's using a uh, NVIDIA, I think Tegra 4, like yeah. processing chip, mm -hmm. which really interestingly, I don't know if you know about the uh, NVIDIA Shield. Have you heard yes. about that, the tablet? Yeah, yeah. So that's essentially like what they were trying to do is they had this kind of console, mm. but you could like play it on the go using yeah. that technology. And now Nintendo has taken that same chip and put it in their yeah. Nintendo Switch. And it's kind of like, I feel like Nintendo are getting really good at this, which is taking their branding and their IPs and putting it on an idea that yeah, it's a great idea that it. didn't quite work. Yeah. Like they did with Pokemon Go. Like yeah. that was uh, Ingress's game. And now it's yeah. like the biggest thing ever. And yeah. I feel like they're kind of doing this with the shield. And now they've made this like insane console. It's true, because I had the shield and I ended up selling it because I just barely used mm. it. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of down to do really due to the games that were available on it. There were no games that really grabbed me, but the actual technology was fine. It's incredible. So, and the graphics are great. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, so as a piece idea. of hardware, it was good. So if they can inject their software and their IP and partner with really cool people, genuinely I'd buy it. Yeah. Well, that sounded like it just, it had the idea, just not the brand. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. And that's what Nintendo does best yeah. is, is their brand. Like that's mm. their strongest point. Yeah. They could probably put like Mario's face on poop and sell it to children. They could put it on an endless runner game and release it on iPhone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is essentially like the digital version of poop. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Using all the big boy words today. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, talking about games that have had a bit of a problem recently. Mm. Alessia, do you want to lead us on this? Because you, you got the down low. Yeah, so basically what's happened is Bethesda has come out and said that for its next couple of games, for Dishonored 2 and the Skyrim Special Edition, yeah. um, they're going to release it for review a day before the game launches. Mm. Now, that's a really big deal because these are games that, you know, Dishonored 2, I, the director, Harvey Smith, turned around and said, you only experience about 20% of the game in one playthrough, you need to replay it. Yeah. And obviously Skyrim is Skyrim. So you're giving it to people who need days, weeks, to be able to give a solid, well thought out, considered opinion on to consumers on whether or not this game is any good cannot do that in 24 hours. So I mean, they're, they're full, I've got their full statement here. 
And Bethesda turned around and said, at Bethesda, we value media reviews. We try to learn from them when they offer a critique and we understand their value to our players. Then they say that they're going to continue their policy of sending media review copies one day before release. While we continue to work with media streamers and YouTubers to support their coverage, both before and after release, we want everyone, including those in the media, to experience our games at the same time. Grown. We also understand yeah. that some of you want to read reviews before you make your decision. And if that's the case, we encourage you to wait for your favorite reviewers to share their thoughts, which is... A massive cop-out. Mm. Like, what What do you guys think of this? Well, first, I do <laughs> like clarifying that, you know, companies like this have no obligation to send us or anyone codes. You know, yeah. it's their game. Um, but typically, times where we get codes very late or not at all, or it's the same with films. If there's no press screenings Bad before release, sign. it's typically not yeah. a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um Again, that's just hard to make a call because, you know, they're doing this for, you know, Skyrim Remastered, which I can't imagine well, is a bad game at all. Well, and, I, sorry. Well, and also with, with this, you know, they did the same for Doom. So they're saying we're continuing with our policy because they did it with, with Doom yeah. and they released it. It's know, a good game. Soon yeah. It was really critically well acclaimed. So it's not, it's not, I don't think this is a stand on quality. This is a stand on the way the industry runs. This is kind of a step change in how the relationship between publisher, media and consumer works. I think they're trying to subvert that. And I don't think they're subverting it for the better, not just from a media perspective of, you know, this is bad for us because obviously we can't set the review out. It's really bad for the consumer because the whole reason that we get games early and there's an embargo date and at midnight on X date, every media site or YouTuber uploads their review. That's because like it means there's not a scrabble like now because we've only got 24 hours to review it rather than it becoming a considered well-informed piece everyone's scrabbling to be the first because we do at the end of the day clicks are really important to our business and you want to be the first because that in terms of seo gets you on the google rankings higher so suddenly you might have media outlets that are rushing to get their reviews up not necessarily having as well-rounded opinions as they would have had weeks before. That's really bad for the consumer. That's bad for the media. And that's also bad for the publisher whose game is not perhaps getting Mm. the consideration that it deserves. I think uh, it's a good business decision for Bethesda. I don't think it's a good decision for the industry or what it could potentially be for the industry. Because if other publishers decided to follow suit, Obviously, that's like long term. It just affects the consumer, really, doesn't it? It hurts so badly. But for them, I kind of understand why they're doing it because Bethesda games, maybe not Doom, but they're notoriously buggy at the start. And if they tend, every game comes with day one patch these days, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Every game comes with day one patch to fix it. And if they can prevent people from reviewing the games before they've had those patches and reporting how glitchy, how glitchy mess they are. But then, then I, but then I think as so when I've reviewed games in the past and it's been glitchy pre-release, I bear that in mind. In my yeah, review. everyone kind of yeah. Like, I think you give it a sense of leeway, and you're. I think you know we're games critics, but we're fair. Like we equally want. To, when I review a game, I want to celebrate it. I don't want to rip it to pieces yeah. unfairly. But there's like the PS3 version of Skyrim, I think, or Fallout 3 as well, was so broken. Like I think it was Fallout 3 especially. Like they had to immediately push out patches because it was so broken. But then I, so for instance, I've played, so I did two hours playing the Clockwork Mansion level of Dishonored 2, which Mm -hmm. is one of the games that is only being released before. And it was pretty dead on. Like there was a couple of glitches. There was two that I could think of that really stood out. But again, I forgave it for those glitches because I was playing it probably about three weeks ago. It doesn't launch for like another few weeks. So that's fine. You know, but I, I, you know, the game is, I'm excited to play it. I mm. genuinely think it's going to be really good. It's already in a fit, fairly fit state. Right. I don't think it's anything to do with the publisher wanting to protect its IP. So what do you think their real reason is? Forget the, the bullshit PR reason. What's their real reason? It's really hard to say. I think that there's a lot of criticism that's being lobbied at us as a, a medium in terms of a conversation that can be had about ethics. We've had it over the last few years since the kind of like the Gamergate scandal. And... I feel that as an industry, we're taking massive step forwards, like things like... Well, um, yeah, I had to give my car back. <laughs> yeah. <for a> start. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Unbelievable. <laughs> but stuff like paid for travel, um, kind of, you know, review events, or that there's a lot more disclosure on the sort of things that media receives. 
And, you know, in general, I think there's been a real crackdown on YouTubers, for instance, like PewDiePie was outed for the coverage that he did of, um, oh, what was the game? The um, Lord of the Rings style. Oh, Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Like people are really cracking down on it. And I, I guess it's potentially a symptom of that, of ba- basically off the side of that, publishers are becoming stronger and stronger. And we're finding that publishers are, are increasingly wanting to control the media message yeah, in terms absolutely. of their game. So what I find really frustrating in particular about this statement is they turn around and they say, we'll continue, we, we will continue to work with media streamers and YouTubers to support their coverage, both before and after release. And what that's saying and the bottom line is, we'd still like you yeah. to do like previews and really nice like, so I've literally just done an everything you need to know about Dishonored 2 mm-hmm. that's going live, well, tomorrow, but the day that this podcast is going up. Spent ages on that, really excited for it. Um, and I know that Bethesda completely supports the idea of doing it. We've you know done it obviously very completely independently, but yeah. Bethesda's happy for us to do it. And so, I just think it's really two-faced to turn around. They won't and then, have the cake and eat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To have everything. Like, you're not supporting us by turning around and stripping the reviews. Like, I don't know. I, I, I think, think it's like, it's like, I guess if you do look at it from their point of view, it's, they don't really have much to gain. Like, yeah. no one, no game really has much to gain from having reviews out early because what you're going to have is if people, if the game gets good reviews, then on the day it's out, people will go and buy it. If it gets bad reviews, all it does is put people off. I completely disagree. I think a game has everything to gain from having early reviews because it's the best form of word of mouth publicity for a game. Like, I think that the video games industry should be held to the same standard as any other form of entertainment industry. Imagine going to see a big film at the cinema on opening weekend and there had been absolutely no reviews released. That has been the case before though. A lot. It happens, but like, so imagine like Doctor Strange, no one knows what it is going into it. And it's like- That's not true. Everyone knows it's a Marvel film. Oh yeah, completely. And that comes with a seal of approval. Like people go with a seal of of approval. But I I think that this is, this isn't just like a Bethesda thing. This is a thing that could grow. Mm. It's like the worry with this is that if other publishers start to follow the trend. I think there's a few that could get away with it. And Bethesda is definitely one of them. Like they are going to sell the next Fallout or the next um, Elder Scrolls game, regardless if they're getting day one reviews or not because they've got such a you know big fan base for their franchises. But then you've got smaller developers and indie developers and stuff. They absolutely like get the reviews in as early as possible for word of mouth, like you said. Yeah. So who knows which way it's really going to go. It, it, mm. I'd be interested to see like down the line like if other publishers follow suit or they all decide to, you know, Bethesda are doing their own thing. Yeah, I just, I just think, particularly for something like Bethesda where, so for instance, you can pre-order and there's like, if you pre-order, you get a special bonus where you can play the game a day early before it's released. Yeah. And I think that in itself is very inconsistent with the policy that it's outlined well, this in the statement this where it's like what... you want everyone to like play it at the same time. You don't because then you're encouraging pre-order bonus. You said people can play it a day early. That statement yeah. was never even slightly no. true. That's mm. just a justification. I'm fairly it. sure as well that they've given codes to quote unquote influencers yeah, to play have. as yeah. long as they don't review yeah, it. Yeah, they have Eurogamer was reporting yeah. today that they have already given Skyrim remastered quotes codes to influencers, which right. is And I think it's because it's these are people who are not going to be talking critically about yeah, the game. Exactly. Like they are fun. it's like at the end of the day, I think that what this is an example of and why this is bad. Does it suck, people? Yeah. It Does re- it suck? <laughs> it really sucks. It must really suck. Yeah. It really sucks <laughs> because publishers at the end of the day are trying to gain massive power and influence over a voice that should be, the media voice, which should at the end of the day be incredibly uncorrupted and separate from any of that. And it's that whole kind of thing of we're holding the power, we're holding the keys to the kingdom. We're not working in partner with you. Mm. We're try- like... It's just bad. I just, I think like, at least the black and white from our point of view is that like, our job is essentially to review a game with the goal in mind being that we can either recommend it to people or, you know, tell people they won't enjoy it. That's our, that's our main goal. That's basically what we do. And this just makes it harder to do so. And I just feel bad for the people who are, 
who have pre-ordered or are going to be picking it up on day one, it, hopeful without you know any warning yeah. as to it the It mainly affects the people who are undecided on day one as well, yeah. and they want to see. But then now, if they wanted to buy it, they got to take a gamble, or you know, yeah. they got to wait for the review. And- I would encourage our listeners to not pre-order. I think pre-orders are a disease in this industry. I think it's very terrible. It's mm. just... It it's, depends. I think if it's something that is genuinely, like in the olden days, which would run out of stock, yeah. then I understand pre-order. Like I pre-ordered my Wii when that came out, and I'm so glad I did, because I would have never got one for six months afterwards. But yeah, for games that I'd like right. fill in the shelves, absolutely not. And there's a no difference, need. because there's pre-ordering because you genuinely love something and you buy it anyway, or yeah. likewise for the idea of stock. Yeah. But then there's the really... I think it's quite dirty for them to basically encourage pre-orders by then saying, oh, you know, on the side, you'll get this, you'll play it a day early. Oh, you're, yeah. you know, here's a Ooh, shiny here's gold a skin, sticker. yeah. For like, your, here's a special skin or an emote. And it's like, that is just a dirty marketing tactic for yeah. you to get, we sold that many copies. Before I, I got you know, the reviews keep, are even out. To keep yeah. the people in the business suits happy. I got a recently, um, happened to me where it was quite infuriating actually, is because I was lucky enough to get a copy of the new WWE game and I got it with a season pass as well, you know, perks of the job and all that. But one of the the pre-order bonuses was a character called Goldberg in it. And I went to play that the other day and I was like, I really want to play as Goldberg and I don't have it whatsoever because I didn't pre-order the game. And it's just like, even though I've got the season pass as well, yeah. I can't, don't have that character. And it yeah. just feels like I'm just locked out because I didn't pre-order it. Mm. Like I said, I mean, I'm lucky enough to get the game anyway, so I can't really complain too much. You're like, unacceptable. <laughs> I want it all and I want it for free. <laughs> yeah. um, but not having reviews for things isn't always the case in our industry. See that segue? Smooth, (laughs) smooth. Because we have reviews for Doctor Strange. We do. Um, We, Mm. as a team, went to see this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know, because we went with Dan, he's seen it twice now. And he's, you know, like the biggest Doctor Strange fan. He said he actually enjoyed it more the second time. Um, I think you and me, Dale, we're kind of on the same page for us. It was about a seven, yeah. right? But Alicia, you you were singing its praises. I really liked it. I really liked it. And I got that impression. Yeah. <laughs> Your tweet was like, that was the best Marvel film ever. Genuinely, I thought it was amazing. I bounced out of that cinema and I, I literally in the opening kind of 10 minutes, when the first amazing visual effects thing happened, yes. I audibly went, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's visually it's stunning and I genuinely think it's the best Marvel film since 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy madness madness do you disagree absolutely I completely disagree really I think every Marvel film (laughs) since Guardians of the Galaxy has been better (gasps) so that's really interesting but I don't dislike it that's the thing I'm trying to get across I thought it was a good film and I enjoyed it but when I came out of the cinema when I was on the train home didn't give it a second thought and when it's a film I really love I spend the whole journey like reading about Mm -hmm. it and thinking about it like when I went to see Blair Witch recently I really loved Blair Witch and on the whole train home, I was just reading things, trying to find podcast things to listen to. I'm doing it yeah. with Westworld right now, just trying to consume any media I can about it. And Dot Strange, I walked I was like, yeah, that was cool. I'm going home now. Well, that's, that's kind of my rule when I go see movies is if I am still having thoughts about it the next mm. morning, then that's the sign that I, it was really? a really good yeah, movie. absolutely. The morning after seeing Doctor Strange, I could remember that I went to the movies the night before, <laughs> but I couldn't remember what I'd gone yeah. to see. That's interesting. And I think that sums up the experience for me because yeah. I'm a huge like in my spare time I'm a huge like visual effects nerd I love visual effects mm-hmm. it's like a secret passion so I can honestly say I think that was the most visually impressive movie I've ever seen in my life on yeah, a technical I would level I would one ropey bit but there's, yes. a, there's, well, there's a, a couple there's one bit with Mads Mikkelsen there's a CG version of him and it looked really ropey but apart from that like all yeah. the the Inception style buildings and the kaleidoscope sort of effects of that was incredible absolutely yeah. it was yeah. like Inception mixed with the kaleidoscope mixed with Escher yeah. Like it was just stunning the way the buildings folded into each other in like a mesh of concrete and steel. It was gorgeous. Yeah. I thought I was going to have a panic attack at the <laughs> render times it would take for some of those scenes. You're just thinking about what goes into it. I was, I was, I was well. literally just like, first off, he's keyed in there, so that's a problem. <laughs> and then you've got like a hundred cars, cities folding, like all rendered. This is a the like, digital effects nightmare. team must have been insane working on that oh, size. God, yeah. Like the amount of work that went into that film, and it's not like it had production hitches or anything like that. It's not like it got 
delayed because of how much work was going into it. It's just like it's crazy. Well, it's I mean, logistically, I, I had a friend who worked on this film doing the visual effects for it. Oh, really? And there was okay. one night where we were doing we do a movie night every Monday, and it was yeah. my turn to host the film. And um, I got a text from him at about half four, being like. Alicia, I don't think I'm going to make it. And he basically gave me updates and he was working on Doctor Strange. And I don't know what scene it is, but um, basically they, the studio had a complete change of mind with how they wanted it presented. Oh, but right. the, so the deadline for it being done was like literally the next morning because they'd already done it and they basically had to undo oh. all their work. He worked, bless him, until eight in the morning the next oh, day Disney getting it done. Disney cracking the whip. It was insane. <laughs> but he loved it. He loved every minute of doing it and he yeah. was really, really proud of it. And genuinely So he's the one who did that Mads Mikkelsen show. Yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah. When, when you said that Throw about Mads Mikkelsen, lazy. <laughs> lazy. But... No, I can see why you guys. Didn't. Should I watch it over? No, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's, fine. <laughs> it's just, I've like, it's just a now, series so. of JPEGs of him like walking like, <laughs> through the screen. Stop motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like, like I think that really speaks for the movie. The fact that the visual effects are impressive enough for me to recommend it to mm. my friends and family, even though I thought the general story was relatively mediocre. Yeah. Like that really speaks for the visual effects of that movie. Absolutely. Also, something I want to point out, um, me and Dan this week have been working on a couple of videos for Doctor Strange. And if you've seen the film, you should totally recommend checking these out because we did an Easter eggs one with like 13 things we spotted. Yeah, and really I good. don't want to reveal any of them, obviously, okay. because if you haven't seen the film, but- Some of them are very cool. Absolutely like really recommend cool. checking that video out on IGN. And yeah, I really enjoyed making that as well. So. So, Definitely. Yeah. I mean, so in defense of the movie, like I completely agree that the core story arc is the same superhero origin story that we've seen, but in terms of structure. But what I really like about Doctor Strange is that it flips certain things that you come to expect from a Marvel movie, which I don't normally like. I'm not massively a fan normally of, mm. of Marvel movies. And one of the key things that I really like about this is it's... The origin story isn't, I fell into a vat of radioactive waste and now I can punch concrete a lot harder than I could before. It's Who an idea. <laughs> oh, radioactive man. Radioactive yeah. man. <laughs> the goggles. Concrete <laughs> But the idea is study. So there's this, there's this point where he literally, he's asked, you know, how did you become an amazing neurosurgeon? And he goes, well, study. And then there's this kind of look and, it, yeah. and then it goes into a montage of him just studying to become this superhero. And I really like that. You idea. and me have very different of definitions of what do. is entertaining. No, <laughs> of course you like it's that. It's done in an interesting way. It's done yeah. in a genuinely interesting way. So it's way. got magic and it's got studying. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like Harry Potter to me. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing. But no, <laughs> Cumberbatch is a wizard. <laughs> but genuinely, like, well, magic he, he literally is. It's kind of like a form of magic. They talk well, about spells. Yeah. spells. Yeah. It absolutely is. But um, I'm, you know, completely spoiler free. There's, you know, there's points in it where intense problems aren't solved by punching or bombast. They're solved by wit. But that's and all I know, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a man. <laughs> Let me destroy First thing second, Roy Powers. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like that. I like the idea I can, that, I can appreciate you know, that, yeah. Marvel, the Marvel structure is being subverted by wit and by this kind of by thinking around problems in a interesting clever way yeah. and like there's it's it has the marble framework and there are weaknesses i think that rachel mcadam's character is criminally underplayed and that she doesn't really have also a very explained role very forgiving as very well. forgiving Hardly absolutely forgiving. and there are moments like that because they're trying to cram this idea of you can bend time and space and all this kind of stuff and they they skim over a lot like character reactions to that yeah, she's yeah. Like, that's and weird oh well cool exactly anyway, just kind of like run to with this. it <laughs> but just in general i think if you're if you normally go into marvel movies and you expect the same old action flick um this is a completely different take on that. Like Doctor Strange is kind of like Iron Man in some senses. He's this really intelligent, highly arrogant, yeah. very charismatic man. But I find Benedict Cumberbatch a lot more likable than Robert Downey Jr. There's really? something about him, whether it's the fact that I feel like he's more self-made in terms of study or whether there's something that Benedict Cumberbatch brings in his kind of like quizzical facial expressions and things. But I just invested a lot more in the character, loved the world a lot more, and genuinely thought that it was an improvement on other Marvel films that I've seen. Fair enough. I think it's, it's interesting that you mentioned like intellect, because as you said, like Robert Downey Jr., he's a really smart guy, and he uses all of his smarts 
to build guns so he can, you know, shoot and blow stuff up. And you have like, you know, Bruce Banner who's a doctor and he is smart, but he just turns green and punches things. And I, I do get the benefit of having, you know, a character whose, you know, main power is his intellect and his wit. And yeah. that's how kind and of how he deals with a lot of the problems in the movie. It's not through him being stronger. It's through like using his environment and his abilities. Absolutely. It's kind of best his enemies. And a fiery orange whip. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad in that film that they didn't do spell incantations and like say things, stupid yeah. words I like that yeah. they actually just use like Avada Kedavra! That they use their finger gestures and hand movements to create yeah. these things and I love that side of it. Like I am not a fan of like magic in general and that's a way to really sort of nullify it for a more mainstream audience I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm really yeah. looking forward to going for drinks with you one day and one of those street magicians coming up to the table and be like alright mate. Can I'm I the guy who's watching it watching everything he does and trying to spot the flaws and point them out to everybody to make him feel embarrassed and small. <laughs> imagine that. Like, I can imagine you being completely charmed and he's like, ooh, where is the coin? Dale's like four pints in. It's behind his ear. I can see him, mate. It's behind his it's, ear. That is totally me. It's, yeah. My dad does that as well. Kind of. That's horrible. I don't know how you do that. Belittling Bit people. Shame on you. Um, I think, though, if you're a fan of Doctor Strange, it's definitely worth going to see. I think it's it's getting reviews around the sevens and, you know, uh, eights, I believe. What did we give it? Can you remember? We gave it a seven point... 7.7 or 7.8 something along those lines I, I, well, I know, that. I I know that. that it's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment That'll really drop. it's really really well, it's, hard it's only just opened in the UK it's not even open in US any, oh yeah it's not even on the US yeah. no absolutely but as a as a like first litmus test yeah it's alright I, th- I think it's a good film and it'll go down well but in five years time no one will be talking about how yeah. amazing Doctor Strange was that's I, but opinion. Civil War I yeah. oh damn no, I completely oh, yeah. disagree have you I, seen Civil War yeah. I didn't like Civil War that's with you that's not even an opinion this is what I mean that's an objective no this is exactly point. what I mean that people like me who you know well okay I say I didn't like Civil War that's actually not fair I didn't mind Civil War I came out of it with the resounding sound of meh like it was, it was, I'm solidly ambivalent about it. I'm literally the middle of the scale on it. I can take it or leave it. So, you know, not bad, not good. Mm. With, like for anyone who's been, who has that opinion about Marvel, I genuinely think that Doctor Strange is a kind of, answer to that yeah okay fair, fair enough. enough your opinion <laughs> classic <laughs> the end of the day your I love opinion that. it's like we've had like four different conversations and they all end with yeah alright fair enough <laughs> yeah. your opinion if you want to say that into your monologue <laughs> what an idiot a fool it's like cracking up so I mean um, my, my internet troll is being like pacified beneath me I just want to go uh, this is why you are wrong <laughs> alright moving on to feedback let's do it guys um, All right, I'm number one. Cool. This is from Dionysus Sarakinis, which is the best name we've ever had. It says, greetings, my name is Dionysus, and me and my wife have been fans of your content for a while now. We follow the IGN UK podcast religiously. We were there at your Glasgow show this year, and we are huge fans of Finchie and the lads Prepare Wee. to Try series. Yeah. Please oh, where's Finchie? Oh, Finchie. Yeah, Finchie's here. We've got a stuffed <laughs> model of Finchie now in the office. It's someone Wee. amazingly made. Hello. <laughs> he's so cute he's adorable he's adorable. Look at his little chapstick he's got, oh. he's got he's got a little chapstick in his holder here that's his adorable bag what's in there oh a prism stones he's got a little bag of prism stones that's amazing <laughs> it's incredible Made we have some felt. amazing that's fans so good yeah. so anyway Dionysus says I just wanted to make you aware that on the 5th of November I'll be running a 24 hour gaming stream mostly of Duke Nukem's Duke Nukem 3D's entire campaign one of my favourite games of all time to raise money for special effects a wonderful charity that helps disabled people to use computers and play video games by adapting technology to their needs the fundraising page is justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash D Sarah Kinnis all one word where you'll find more details about the stream and my Twitch stream on the day will be hosted at www.twitch.tv forward slash doctor underscore Clayman Cool. He says thanks for your time and bring Rory to Glasgow next year. That's cool. I think awesome. oh, thank you. what we'll do I'd is we'll to. we'll put those links into the, the article. actual yeah. article so you guys can yeah. check them out. But I think that's such a worthy call. We literally Dionysus, the god of wine, is playing for twenty four hours Duke Nukem's three D's entire. And he deserves all the money for playing that for twenty four hours because I am not a fan of that game. Are you not? No. <laughs> I used, to do, I used to do charity streams when I was younger, and it was so long ago that the main streaming channel for video games was 
uh, Justin TV. Oh God! And also, God, what was that other one? That other live streaming one? Oh God, I can't remember. Really, really old ones. Like, because just no one was doing it at all. It was ridiculous. So I'm glad to see it's come so far. No, and people it's have cool. still lit the lit the torch. And genuinely, like, really, really cool um, charity to be raising money for. Absolutely. Like, yeah. the fact was what we ran 10k for. It was really good. Good luck, Dionysus. Yeah, good luck. Very good luck. I have numero dos. Rory, you are literally holding Finchie <laughs> like, like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> In one arm. He'll be sick over himself if Get you don't hold him like all right feedback number two so i've been unsure about vr for a while and i've always said i need to try it first the problem is there's been nowhere for me to try it at all that all changed this weekend <laughs> when my life was thrown into a downward spiral <laughs> i made that bit up uh mm-hmm. when i went to a shopping center in glasgow and walked into game and saw they had psvr i know a couple of stores are doing that that's a really good idea for like people to be able to come and test it out Wait uh, for it. a notice mm-hmm. clearly said game we're charging to try it out i take that back game <laughs> how dare you <laughs> what i did not know yeah, this. Yeah, I heard that story before. Five pounds for 10 minutes yeah. or 15 for 30 minutes. Personally, I think it's a bit of a joke that if I'm going to drop at least 350 pounds for a bit of hardware, mm. they're going to charge me to try it out. I was wondering on your thoughts or for I, your thoughts on this. I mean, I it's get Ant it. from Glasgow. I get it as a business. They think, oh, we've got such interest. We can charge for this. But it's such a disloyal thing to do for your loyal customers. It's terrible. You know? like, it's where you, you've got these customers come in and if you go to game, there's a good chance you go there repeatedly and spend hundreds of pounds over the year. Yeah. And then to treat their customers like that by trying to monetize their experience when they're trying to sell them a product, I think is, it's not. It's like, you know, it's when you go cool. into the stores and they have the stalls where you can like play a, a little demo of a game yeah. or something or they have the 3DSs yeah. you can play on. Imagine like having to put coins in a slot to have a go on that. It's yeah. totally They must have just seen the, like they put the option out for people to do it and saw the interest level and think that we can monetize yeah. this. They're just trying to nickel and dime everybody. I think and it's just not cool. The price tag, fifteen pounds for thirty minutes. Would you think it's I mean, cool if it was five pounds for thirty minutes? I mean, well, I mean it's a principle thing. Absolutely. As well. Even like even the yeah, I agree. Five I won't give them a dime of my well earned money. But like I mean I think particularly it just being fifteen pounds when, you know, you can get a full game second hand in game for fifteen pounds or like it's it's just a lot of money to part with. And I agree, paying for it yeah. at all is... A different way they could have done it and they could have still gained something from doing it is maybe saying use some of your game points to have a go on VR. Yeah, like use but still Use 100 cheap. of your game points and you get to play on VR for five minutes. Even then, even then. Because then what about people who are just walking off the street who aren't... I don't agree with it. I'm yeah. just saying if I was thinking in their business meetings thinking, right, let's get something out of this. Yeah. That would be... Um, I, I mean, don't I don't know. know what they were expecting, whether maybe they thought that, you know, it's VR, so many people don't get the opportunity to have it, that if they did it for free, they just have people all over the place coming in and crowding up the store. Then surely yeah. that's a good thing. You'd yeah. have people, you know. But would people be buying it? I suppose they're probably thinking. Just going for like I suppose, I suppose they're thinking that, yeah, if people are going to pay to experience it, there's a good chance they're going to buy but it But then anyway. e- equally, I agree. So my housemate works in Hotel Chocolat as a manager and she often does these taste tests. So often if you go into Hotel Chocolat, someone will come up to you with a tray of chocolate and offer you one. And she has a certain amount of her budget set aside to sample these chocolates to people. Yeah. And she says often people literally will come in They'll take a sample and they'll walk out because they know that Hotel Chocolat does it. Yeah. But then sometimes, like, and the majority of the time, people come in, try a sample, and they'll either buy that or just because they're in the shop, they'll look around and they might buy, like, something on the side. It's obviously you get the idiot. Well, not the, not the idiot. You're not, you're not an idiot at all <laughs> yeah, for doing that. You're perfectly within your right. You get the people who come in and, and kind of, advantage. I guess, take liberties. Yeah. yeah. But... I just think game would have stood like yeah. to win by having people come in and try it for free and then potentially pick up a game on the I side. Sp- I suppose they're looking at would they necessarily pull people off the streets for that? Yeah, I mean, I think? I think you totally could. Imagine if you were walking down the street having never tried VR at all before and gone, if you come in yeah. right now yeah. into this store, you can be on a motorway firing out the window yeah. in a car chase. Well, the difference between like those examples is you're looking at a box of chocolates and a 350 pound virtual reality headset. Yeah. It's like the odds of someone spontaneously picking one of those up isn't a lot. I'm not defending this. I think this is incredibly no. cheap. And and from Glasgow, if you are thinking about picking up a VR headset and considering the PSVR, it is the cheapest one and uh, every game's uh, you know, media source that I know has given it raving reviews, including us. Yeah. We we really love it. So yeah, absolutely. If you want to hang on to that five pounds, 
you know, you can do so with our guarantee that it or is a it if is you want to try it and really stick it to the man, you could go, steal it. You could, <laughs> do it you now. Could, you could buy it, Don't take even it think home, about try it, and then return it afterwards. Can you do that? Of course you, you could. That? Is that legal? Yeah, she can. They have returns Buyer's policies. Right. Yeah. Huh. If you really yeah. want to stick it to game and get a good trial at home. I'm not suggesting you do this. I'm suggesting you buy it because <laughs> it's really good. So if you're interested yeah. in VR, then buy it. Absolutely. But I think, yeah, they need to stop this. Yeah, that's not a, that's that's not not a cool. good idea. No, okay. no. So sorry, Ant. We do not recommend you pay money. <laughs> do not support this. Right, this is from Nathan Wallace. Oh, and you could take that five pounds and <laughs> give it to um, yeah, person Dionysus. Doing, yeah, Dionysus. Yeah, charity marathon. Think of every person who went in there and paid 15 quid to if try Everyone had put that in Dionysus's yeah. Yeah. pot. And if nobody paid it, then game would quickly stop charging it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Vote with your wallet. We can change the world, guys. <laughs> stop pre-orders. Stop paying for VR experiences. <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, Nathan Wallace. Let me start by saying I love the podcast and all you do. It really helps me get through my long commute to work and school. Aww. Thank you. After hearing all of you talk about Black Mirror so much, I finally decided to check it out for myself. I have to say that is maybe possibly my favourite show of all time. Aww. As an American, I don't believe I ever found it without you. Thank you for your endless hours of entertainment and God save the Queen or whatever you Brits say. <laughs> God save the Queen. Never said bip, that bip. in my life. <laughs> I mean, Oh, you've sung it. God I have sung it. I have sung it. I've never said that in passing. Yes. Like, good night, uh, see you tomorrow, and God save the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's never come up. <laughs> it's never come a new thing. Yeah. Let's make it happen. But I love Black Mirror. Mm. And I'm currently, I think I'm watching the last episode tonight. And yeah. apart from one episode, which wasn't so great, I think it's been a fantastic series. Yeah, genuinely. I saw someone tweet the other day that they thought it had been a really weak series. What? I thought that was really interesting. How can I've, you compare when the other, they've only had seven you episodes? You just have like a bunch of like contrary friends, friends who are yeah. just like so into it. Yeah. I actually thought it was terrible. It's like, oh, have you seen Westworld? I actually prefer the uh, original movie. I think it's much more realistic. Um, well, how are you finding it? How are you finding oh, I'm loving it. I yeah. think it's brilliant. Um, it's like, obviously you come away from each episode. I find there's like 10 minutes after where you just feel really like, ah, oh, my life. Yeah. And you don't want to look at your phone. Except you for that to... one episode. There's one episode. Uh, there's one episode. Which that's... is really positive. Has a nice positive ending to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But even at the end of the ones that aren't necessarily positive. The rest of them. 10 minutes all after. Of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 10 minutes after, I genuinely want to dive straight back in. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's a really, really good series. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. But I don't I don't know that's true. I'm pretty sure you would. It's on Netflix anyway. It's Netflix pay for show now. So imagine the new series in on American Netflix would have been promoted. So he probably would have come across it without us. But it's nice mm. to know that we encouraged him to watch it as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. I think it's a really, really awesome show. What do you think, Roy? Are you watching it? I am not watching it. Have you uh, ever watched it? I've never watched it. I think uh. it's just it's just a bit too bleak for me. It's a How bit, do you know if you've never watched it? I've heard a lot. And all my friends uh, from back home watch it. They're right. It is bleak. It, it is seems pretty bleak. It is bleak. I'm very into Westworld at the minute. That's but, my, that, but that's Westworld my is heavily sci-fi and so is Black Mirror. It's Black mm. Mirror's everything is about uh, like either dystopian or utopian or just futures where things that we have in everyday occurrence now are magnified by 100 and then presented as part of life. Yeah. That's the story every time. It's really interesting. And I think the key thing is a lot of people think that Charlie Brooker, who wrote it, he used to be a video games journalist, yeah. but they think that Charlie Brooker is being really negative about technology and he really hates it. But actually, I was reading an interview with him the other day where he was like, I love technology. I was a video games journalist. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's awesome. My All of Black Mirror isn't about how terrible technology is. It's about how it can be abused Absolutely, by really yeah rubbish humans like and every episode is centered around humans being just a little bit crap and yeah. using technology as a gateway to be even more crap yeah they're all versions of 1984 you yeah, know it's absolutely. just it's all taking a taking something we do today and turning it like putting it in the hands of monsters he turn it into something that yeah. like, essentially destroys what we know as society really yeah. i think it's a absolutely great program you should totally watch it. I think I probably will like yeah. at the minute even like keeping up with Westworld week to week is a bit of a challenge just because we're coming up to a, a bit of a busy season so that's going to be a bit of a rush so one show is all I can muster right now but when Westworld is over I will consider yeah. revisiting if I said to you the world. you had to either watch Black Mirror or Westworld 
I'm pretty sure as a standout now, I'd say watch Westworld as well. Really? But I love Black Mirror, but Westworld is so good. It's right very now. good. Yeah. Well, that's the next show that we can recommend. <laughs> yeah. To- yeah, it oh, absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, watch Westworld. I'm pretty sure as an American, you've heard of Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm only realizing now at the end of the podcast that I forgot to do my little Nintendo oh, quiz. I mean, console, I did see that on the running order and yeah. I didn't want to bring it up. Do you, want to, do you want to throw it in? We have How like long does it take? we have like two minutes to make the hour, okay. and it'll take like five. Okay, let's okay, do it. Let's do it. Okay, let's do okay. it. Late quiz. Retreat. Late quiz. Welcome to Roy Powers Console Quiz. All right. I like we have a jingle. So you may or may not know, Nintendo consoles in the past have had very interesting code names before they're released to the public. So it's a multiple choice quiz. If you guys want to join up as a team, that's no, no, okay, competitive always. Okay, so let's see if you know what the original code names were for these Nintendo consoles. So first up, I can think of one right now. Oh no, two. I can think of two. What is the code name for the Nintendo 64? Don't say because it's multiple choice. So I'm going to give you a list. I know. Nintendo 46. Can I just say anyway? I think I know. Well, do you want to hear him? Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Can you just say? I wanted to show up. Uh, I wanted to show okay, go you on. can buzz. Feel free to buzz at any okay. time. Right, buzz with our names, right? Is it Project Reality? B Super sixty four. C Nitro or D Dot Matrix game. Alicia. B- Alicia. I was doing a buzz, actual buzz. Uh, she said Alicia. She, yeah, okay, from, go on. Uh, Nitro. That is incorrect. Damn it. Right, we'll read them out again. Actually, I did. So the rem- the, the, the I thought it was Ultra Sixty Four, which wasn't it called that? In that is that's uh, that was one of the alternate names. Right, yeah, so this okay. is another one for it. So it's A Project Reality, B Super Sixty Four, or D okay. Dot Matrix. It's Project Reality. I think. Project Reality yeah. is yeah. correct. Well done. That's one point. Weird now. This is going to be called Project <laughs> Reality, yeah. a game where you can see the polygons on well, every. It was Mario Sixty Four. <laughs> was yeah. pretty real. Is that Alanis? Alanis Morissette. I hear. There we go. The Punchline's gone. It's I gone. stumbled what? over. Isn't it? Really I hate it when you do that. Worst I hate it when you do that. Of a gag ever. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. Let's see if you can catch up, Alicia. What was the code name for the Nintendo GameCube? Dolphin. See you later. That's Made correct. He stole that away from you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is like Q1 Countdown. Yeah. Didn't even get, I made up fun with Starfish, Project Turtle, Narwhal. These are all the other options. I that wanted I had to show to off on one. That's the only one I'll show <laughs> okay, off okay, on. Okay, okay. Satisfied. Oh, fun fact: uh, the system's GPU for that was nicknamed Flipper. Was it actually? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. pretty cool. Dolphin and Flipper. What was the code name for the Virtual Boy? <gasps> Don't know. Was it A. Virtual Future Tech? B. Virtual Oasis Boy? <laughs> C. Virtual Dimension Traveler? Or I wrote, is it A, B, C, or B? Again? <laughs> <laughs> or D, virtual utopia experience. Oh, God. Uh, bzz- I mean, they're all terrible names. Um, D? It is D, the oh. virtual yeah! utopia experience. Isn't that kind of big-headed to call your device the utopia experience? Well, they called the other one For Project s- Reality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, do you guys know the virtual boy? It was terrible. Yeah, it was. It was like well, they didn't know that then. This is like, <laughs> they didn't know that. They thought it was going to be good. Uh, I'll stick to the vibe. Thank you very much. I think it's all really bad. Like, because they're bad translations of no. what no. the game was initially... Oh, okay. No, so these are like, before it was given a name for the public, these were like the names of the projects. I wondered wondered whether the the working titles were initially in like Japanese and then they translated the projects to... It sounds like it does, like virtual utopia experience. It's probably like one word in Japanese, a very elegant word in Japanese. (laughs) The dolphin was just straight. Dolphin, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, What was the code name for the Wii U? Wii U. So... No idea of this. Is it A... Project Moonbase, B, Project Dog Park, C, what? Project Cafe, or D, Project New York. Dale, it's Project Cafe. He's slaying it. I do remember. What? As soon as he said it, I remembered it. Project yeah. Cafe. Well done. Well, after this, we can do non-Nintendo ones because I know some off the top of my head. Oh, really? Yeah. That would like, be interesting because, like, I even didn't even know a lot about these ones. What I knew was about the Dolphin. Vita. Do you know? The, do you remember the Vita? the Vita? I don't. It was NGP. How do you remember Not that? That's the most non-memorable <laughs> yeah. name ever. It was uh, something game portable or something. That's what it stood for. I can't remember what it was now. Hmm. I've just realized you know the answer to the last one. 
Is that okay. what I think you did. Well, that was it. <laughs> no. Damn it. <laughs> Zavita. Okay. Come on, Alessia. Let's get, I'm, get, I'm, get one I've under got, the belt. It's all right. I've got one. I've got one. All right. What was the code name for the Nintendo Wii? Was it A, Sparkle Motion? B. Oh, I know this. Revolution. No. <laughs> okay. C, Project Dawn. Or D, Sports Simulator. Alicia. Alicia. On, it was B. Yes. Revolution. Well yeah, it was. Well done. I think I'm giving it away when you say the right <laughs> yeah. answer. In fairness, Dale smiled slightly when he said B. I'm <laughs> cocky, getting cocky. So what was that? Three to two? Yeah. That's yeah. not too bad. Yeah, that's, a, right. that's an admirable right. In fairness, admirable I did kind of steal the last one. <laughs> yeah. What about, what was the katana? What was that? Oh, I know this because I looked it up. Katana was... Um, Dreamcast? That's right, yeah. Yeah. The, the really funny one is um, like the Famicom and the Super Famicom because mm. I was like, oh, those would be great. But they're literally just called Family Computer and Super yeah. Family Computer. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know that's what it stood for, yeah. their Family Com. It's all called it was quite a few. Remember Project Natal? Which one was that? That was, um, oh God, what's it called? Xbox um, camera thing, Connect. That's what oh, Connect really? was called before. Really? It was called Connect, yeah. What about Morpheus, Project Morpheus? Well, that's, I was just thinking of Project Morpheus yeah. and Neo. I genuinely yeah. wish that they just stuck with those names. No. I think they're really cool names. PS4 really? Pro is a much better name than Neo. You're so straight-laced. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for joining us on... Jeez, it almost happened again. <laughs> paper almost came right back to me. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode of the IGN UK podcast. We will be back next week, so we'll see you then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.